0: Welcome to 50 Date Night Screams. I'm Amber
1: Tresca, And I'm Mike Tresca. We're a married couple who decided to celebrate our 50th birthdays by watching some old movies.
0: A lot of old movies. Join us as we watch 50 movies on our date nights and have fun dissecting them.
1: As a bonus, each episode is accompanied by an original character I created and designed for use in your tabletop role-playing games.
0: Many of the movies we watch are unrated. But this podcast is not. 50 Date Night Screams contains mature themes and is intended for adult audiences. So take care when listening. Plus, there are spoilers. Check the show notes to see where you can watch this movie before you listen.
1: We're glad you're here. Have a seat, grab a glass of your favorite beverage, and get ready to scream along with us. American dear. What happened? The reef.
0: We didn't see the reef. Our radio and our compass went out last night in the storm. We saw your island and we made for it. And then we hit the coral.
1: It is a the time the gods are angry. We have had great winds for a month. You were foolish to put out in so small a boat.
0: Alright, here we go. We are on episode 8. And the movie is She-Gods of Shark reef and i'm here with my co-host mike mike how are you tonight
1: i'm good how are you love of my life
0: (laughs) i'm all right i kind of don't know where we're gonna go with this movie
1: (laughs) i'm gonna be extra nice to you because i am not gonna be nice to this movie
0: i'm I'm a little worried about where this may go (laughs) so i don't know but um you know what just gonna do the best that we can
1: i also want to point out that we were surprised we're on the eighth episode this is a journey and we're only on episode eight
0: <laughs> yeah we're, we're trucking along you know i mean i was thinking about when we got to episode five i was like what we're like a certain percentage through it you know and then yeah, we we'll yeah. get to episode 10 we will be a certain percentage through yeah. it and that's kind of how i was thinking of it so all right she got... <laughs> i don't know if i could say the title of this movie without laughing well don't
1: say it 10 times fast because you'll never get it out
0: i know right all right serious serious i put it on my serious face all right you ready Three, two, one. She Gods of Shark Reef is our movie for episode eight of 50 Date Night Screams. All right, let's give the rundown. This movie was from 1958, which was a shocker. Um, It is in color, but I do have to point out at the beginning here that the transfer or whatever, whatever we watched was extremely poor. So our version on DVD Very poor quality. The version on YouTube, which we will make available in the show notes and elsewhere so that you could watch this movie if you so choose, I think is better quality there. All right. So, that one of the problems that I have with this movie, and not so much with some of the other ones, but that I want to judge and speak about the movie based on the quality of the movie, not the quality of the transfer or the way that the film appears. And I think in particular for this one, it was a little bit of a struggle. Okay, we'll get back to that. All right, director Roger Corman, which I said to Mike five minutes ago, I know that name, I don't know why, Mike's going to explain. It is a 2.8 out of 10 (laughs) Uh on IMDb, I think earned. Um, I
1: would I would not dispute that.
0: Okay. All right, 1 hour and 3 minutes, blessedly. 1 hour and 3 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and the tagline is beautiful maidens in a lush tropical paradise ruled by a hideous stone god. All right. So, a beautiful movie poster there is a woman wearing far less clothing on it than I think any woman in the movie actually wears. She's bound by her hands, which does happen in the movie. And behind her is a generic, I think, looking stone carved face um, that, you know, uh, is supposed to uh, evoke something of of tropical, um societies.
1: Yeah, it's not in the movie like that, by the way. That was one of the highlights I was looking for. There's a face in there. There's a submerged stone face and it isn't it doesn't even have the teeth that this thing has. So this even even the face is better in the poster than in the movie.
0: Okay. Great. So I don't know. i it's it's hard to make out. Um there's also two sharks in on the poster. They're coming after the maiden. She's you know, looking like she's trying to get away, twisting away from the sharks. I'm not sure there were two sharks in the movie. I think there was maybe one shark, kind of overstating the shark reef. Shark reef seems to me like be lots of sharks. I feel like there was just one.
1: I think there was just one film from multiple angles. One oh. poor shark. I don't even know if you survived at the end of that, but there was just one shark.
0: Okay, so all right. Anyway, beautiful poster. Um, movie maybe didn't fulfill on any of these promises. So, the situation is once again, I'm confused. I'm super confused about the premise of the movie. There are two brothers, one of them commits a murder. The beginning of the movie is men fighting, there's a murder. It's not clear to me why he did such a thing. <laughs> and then the two brothers end an accomplice get away from the from the murder scene and try to get to a different island in their boat presumably to escape the authorities and then I don't know what they're gonna I, I don't think they have a plan after that I think they're just trying to trying to get away by the time they are in the ocean uh there's a storm so there's shipwrecks stuff happens they have an accomplice and I think that the accomplice ends up dead but it's so bad Briefly mentioned that that is very confusing to me. So their names are Chris and Lee Johnson. So uh, Lee is the one that commits the murder. Chris is the one that's along for the ride. <laughs> um, one's a blonde, one's a brunette. <laughs> and they end up on this island that is populated by only women. So it sounds like a paradise. Turns out to not be a paradise, though, Mike.
1: No, it's not a paradise, <laughs> because I don't know sharks gods corporations pearls I take your pick um, I, I it's it's definitely uh, an island that seems to be under the thumb of somebody who expects some kind of commerce around pearls um, there's certainly some concern about weather there's no she gods there's at least that stone God that's on the cover so there's definitely sort of a concern about that that the bad weather is an issue. These maidens seem very sort of unaware of what's going on uh, and the risks that are essentially posed by these two brothers showing up because they clearly disrupt this delicate balance, whatever this hierarchy is under Queen Pua, who sort of rules the island, I think is meant to rule the island and be intimidating and sort of in control, but sort of unfortunately comes off of like your aunt who's just mad and judging you.
0: Yeah, she's definitely like she's definitely like the auntie. And she she talks about how there's a corporation, there's a corporation that comes to the island and the and the women there are supposedly collecting pearls it sounds like from the ocean and they're supposed to hand them over and therefore everything that they need is supplied for them. So the ships come every so often presumably with supplies and they just hang out there collecting pearls, doing their thing occasionally dabbling in some hula dancing. So but there's no men there and so the men show up and it of course it disrupts the situation because the first thing that happens is the the one Chris is interested of course can't be Lee. Can't be the murderer, right? It has to be the other brother. So the innocent brother is interested in one of the young women. She is interested in him. They strike up a little friendship and then queen pua is like it's not okay it is not okay with her she wants these dudes off her island and she's trying to call a ship to pick them up but of course they know that they're going to be hunted by the authorities you know whomever that is i think they refer to like the police i like i but i don't Essentially, know who it would be, or even that the
1: island police. <laughs>
0: right. But, like, it seems to me that whomever would be coming to the island, this the people that own or operate or work for this corporation who are coming and bringing probably like food and rice and to the island probably aren't going to know anything. And so what are they going to even care about who's there or why they're there or whatever, except that, oops, they washed up here and then take them back to the mainland or the Big Island or whatever they're thinking.
1: I also love the communication, which is a semaphore, right? They basically do something with the flags. Is that the word for that? Yeah. She
0: puts up a flag. And it's so funny. Queen Pua puts up a flag. And, okay, fine. We all... Are You know, are familiar with the idea that you raise a flag and it can signal to somebody that's far away. Okay. But she puts up this flag and she's, like, putting it up and she's, like, looking furtively around like nobody's going to notice her putting up a big fucking flag. Like, it's so – it's so – it's hilarious.
1: It's a little bit – like, they wanted to give her a Morse code and they couldn't do it and so they did semaphore and she's – They don't know what it means, and as time goes on, they start to suspect that she's basically saying criminals. The men don't know what it means. Right. The men don't know what it means, and they suspect that there's some kind of – they're being tattled on, essentially. So they don't know what the flag means, and neither do we. But like you said, Queen Pua sure does act like she doesn't want them to know what's happening. So there's this – it's just the wrong communication method. I know why they did it because, of course, they wanted to keep the technology level low that's what we got you don't not there's not pigeons there's not seagulls or communication and there's certainly not technology so you get some of four
0: right you said the water was dangerous and the sharks the shark is god but you could be killed god hungry oh, that's insane you can't go
1: no chris my he bad my he bring bad luck to everybody
0: So Queen Pua tells Chris and Lee that they collect pearls, which I think was pretty stupid. They're like, oh, do you catch fish for them or whatever? Like, the answer to that should have been yes, right? Because what are these guys going to do but steal the pearls? Which, of course, they do in time when, when everything goes to shit, you know. And they keep trying to, like, pay. It's so funny. They're like, oh, that, you know, uh, the young woman that rescued me, I want to pay her. And Queen Poo is like, no, you don't pay for everything. Everything is provided by the company, the company, the company. We never, like, meet the company, anybody from the company. We don't even, we have no idea what this is. It's just, like, it just seems like it's it's um one of those things that, like, moves the story along. Like somebody dropping their cell phone down a well or something. It's like, you know.
1: And, you like, know, I just want to say, we need to say this early. Queen Pua was right. She was right. Right about what? Everything. They shouldn't have had those guys <laughs> on the island. They no, she have didn't been want there. them there.
0: She knew it was bad. They and she were was bad like,
1: news. She yeah. was worried about the pearl stealing. They totally stole the pearl. She was worried about, what's her name? Mah- what was it? Mahia? Mahia. Mahia. Mahia got into all sorts of trouble with these two ding-dongs. She was worried about all this stuff, and she was right. She should have thrown them to the sharks as soon as they arrived.
0: <laughs> well, they shouldn't have even rescued them, maybe, is right. the thing. well, just
1: let the sharks eat them. I although,
0: guess. although, we do have to say, well, I have to say, you know, you, you don't swing this way. But, <laughs> I mean, they're good-looking dudes, okay? 100% would rescue them. You don't know what they've been up to, so you don't know whether they're good or bad or indifferent yet. But just based on the looks absolutely totally would rescue them they're like like both of them are like like two heads taller than all of these women like they look like they look like norsemen they look like giants it's kind of hilarious
1: and it is a little bit of physicality where you're a little bit like what's gonna happen so at one point the women chase them and there's a few situations where they either imply they may just slap somebody around or they do it they actually at one point hit a guard which is a woman so it is a little bit, too, where you're like, I'm not really sure are they these hunks of meat that can fend off large groups of people or are they under actual threat? And it's just, you know, again, this is a have your cake and eat it too situation where they want it to be beefcake, which, you know, mission accomplished. But they also want them to seem to be in danger or at least feel like they have to occasionally flee A large group of angry women and you know we don't even see what weapons they have some of the time so there's just a very weird sort of to to your point they're like twice the size of the women on the island
0: oh for sure and yeah now slapping women (laughs) in movies or hitting them is a grand tradition so it happens a lot it happens a lot in movies of this of this caliber (laughs) shall we say and of this time period so it's actually not surprising at all it's surprising that it actually wasn't worse
1: True, and queen pua has a lot to do i mean she's not particularly effective most of the time but she actually has a lot to say is a leader of the island undisputably um like i said calls it right from the beginning so she if under different circumstances i think this would be a different role that would sort of um maybe play better uh, under these circumstances with these two meatheads. It's just, it feels like abuse.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I don't know what else queen pool could have done. She kept telling them, leave the women alone. You have no business here. Their life is here. Their life is here. You're going to leave this Island and you're going to go on to your life, whatever that's going to look like. But these women cannot engage with you. They cannot come with you. There is not going to be a life for them in your world, whatever your world is. This is their world here. And nobody listens to her. You know what? Can we just say nobody ever listens to the aunties. I see how it is. The young people don't want to listen to you, even though you have a lot of experience. And you can have people pegged. Within a minute of meeting these dudes, she had their number. She knew it was going to be going on. And she told everybody. And nobody
1: wants to listen but they were wearing sarongs I'm not, I'm not sure what they ended up wearing because the, there was no me- clothing appropriate for the men so the men ended up right. wearing these small uh I don't know what they were and they look
0: kind of like squirts I don't know what they were of, in the end you know I don't even know where they got anything that would fit them. I was like, impressed
1: by the commitment that they ended up wearing that like they didn't come up with some contrived I found a piece of cloth and made myself pants but they they just <laughs> They ran around in those skirts, God bless them, the whole time, so, you know. You know
0: what, though? Like, that was one aspect. I mean, the whole movie, like, like this is all very misogynistic and terrible in lots of different ways, big and small. But this one small aspect of it, where they were walking around shirtless in, like, just a hair's breadth away from, like, a Speedo. <laughs> Like that was the one thing that maybe went a, a small step towards equalizing the situation because they they did not act in a way that was sexualized, but they were dressed in a way that was sexualized and also had a tinge of femininity to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, traditionally, what you would say like a flower, a bright flower pattern was what they were wearing you know whether or not that played into how they behaved later and their and their bad behavior because they were dressed in a way that was probably not comfortable to them or fit with their Gender identity.
1: <laughs> That's what happens. When I'm uncomfortably dressed, I murder people, steal their stuff, and uh, otherwise slap people around. You know, so, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when yeah. it, you, uncomfortable clothing.
0: Yeah. So, of course, you know, they're trying to get off the island because they the, the men need to get off the island before the company comes because they figure they're going to be arrested. Whatever, whatever. So they try to get off the island, and Lee steals the pearls. They get in this little boat. They steal this boat right? And they're trying to get going and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs>
1: and there's like a weird, they like don't immediately. So first of all, it's Lee, right? It's not Chris. It's yeah, Chris, oh, that. So like, but, Chris
0: could do no wrong.
1: Right? Well, Chris, Chris is in love with, with Mahi, Mahia. Yeah, Mahia, And uh, Lee has other plans and he knows about the pearls and he sort of lets it go, lets it go, lets it go. And then I think there's a little bit where he's like, what the hell, we're leaving anywhere, we're not going to come back. And he actually swims back to the island and there's a guard. He slaps her. That's the notable slap and then he grabs all the stuff basically ransacks the place and then swims back so it wasn't just that he was trying to steal the stuff he sort of was like burning the place to the ground it was super
0: purposeful it wasn't like opportunity like oh i'm just passing by it was like this was something that he went out of his way to go and do like he could have just left
1: right and because of that situation that's when queen pula gets Caught up with it and to your point as you said earlier like we don't know what their plan was we don't even know what the plan is with mahaya because they make that point where they're like what are you gonna do with her yeah and he's like oh well, you know we'll figure it out and chris is so love struck, he doesn't care but then they have queen pua too and you're like this point is like a whole party in a boat that's not meant for that by the way these are like three-person boats so now we have this whole thing where everybody's together Going to some unknown destination, one and or two hostages, depending on your opinion of whether or not Mahia is actually doing this fully aware of the circumstances she's in, Um, the whole thing is just ill-fated and ridiculous. And to your point, I'm surprised he wasn't like, I'm just going to kick her off the boat and murder her here. That that didn't happen earlier because they, they sort of do really constantly abuse her. They're tying her up and then letting her go and tying her up. And then and then I guess they decide to wait on some coral reef. That's their big plan, right? They go, let's just wait in the coral reef till night and then we'll sail out. And I'm sure, knowing Roger Corman, that this was because he didn't want to film at night. So he sort of said, well, we'll just make it the scene happen sort of uh, on this reef. So they, there's a lot of this on this reef, which, by the way, the audio... Is the audio, apparently, of the ocean. There wasn't a lot of ADR or whatever they do. So it's just like crashing waves as they're trying to talk and have this discussion about what to do. And of course, it gets worse from there.
0: Yeah. So let's go into
1: Roger Corman,
0: whose name was familiar to me, but I didn't know why. So tell me about... Roger Corman. So Roger
1: Corman is the father of sort of the schlock cinema, although it's interesting because if you look at his background, he really wasn't trying to do that. I think he was a man of opportunism and he knew how to make films. He actually made his way up from a mailroom. So he's one of the Hollywood stories of literally he goes into Hollywood and starts his way up from the mailroom. He actually did that. So he definitely is driven, right? Um, And this is just props to Roger Corman. It was clear that this is something he's always wanted to do. And he's responsible for launching a lot of careers, uh, including Jack Nicholson, among others, uh, partially because he was making films. He makes them on low budgets. He wasn't particularly picky, and he was willing to make films quickly. In fact, he got into the methodology of this being one of them, of filming two films back to back. So he is, you know, in a lot of ways, a producer or a producing company's dream where he could do things really low budget. Now, that doesn't always work, but it did work for some things. He's the inventor you want to call him inventor of little shop of horrors he also owns the name of the, to the fast and furious which blows my mind so he had already produced a film called fast and furious and he uh, leased the rights to the franchise that everybody knows now so roger corman is extremely influential in ways that go well beyond some of these awful movies where it's clear not a lot of time or money was spent and he made movies fast like two days three days fast uh and that's what this feels like so you know Roger Corman obviously had a skill and a lot of actors. And I think a lot of people in the movie industry feel that they owe their careers to him because he's not, you know, part of the sort of guerrilla style filmmaking is he's not gonna all that screening of you have to be a star or it has to be this or that. Well, guess what you could, anyone could do that if you're willing to sort of be flexible and work with him. So uh, I, he has a long history and several awards under his belt that really attest to his, his uh, style of filmmaking, but Along the way, there are these films that, in this case, it was clear he was in Hawaii. I don't know if you want to take a vacation or what, but um, the film is written in such a way to sort of paper over those flaws, and it still doesn't work. Those flaws are very visible on screen.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting to me. So what's the connection? All right, there's a special place in my heart for Little Shop of Horrors, the version that came out. Uh, when i was in high school <laughs> which we sing all of the time and, and we just
1: showed the kids and they were horrified as we yeah, oh, yeah. we, it's we pretty funny. Showed,
0: well they weren't horrified but we showed that version to our kids and what was hilarious was how you and i were were singing all the songs i mean you know all the words because like we we my friends and i like we wore that you know tape out in the car listening to it. We were always singing along with it. And so at one point, my son turns to us and goes, how many times have you seen this movie? (laughs) It's just laughing so hard. And I'm like, no, we listened to the soundtrack over and over, you know, because I think one of the local high schools produced a version of ...of the play and probably one of my friends was in it, whatever. I don't really remember, but I just remember we loved it. And so there is a special place in my heart for that, even though that also contained a lot of stuff that we had to explain to the kids afterward (laughs) and talk about why it was bad... And how it's not okay, and, like, we're laughing at it, but um, domestic violence is not cool, you know? <laughs> so we had to undo...
1: Kink-shaming. I mean, you take your yeah, pink it's
0: Yeah, slut-shaming, like, all that. <laughs> and by the way, that plays in... Where I'm going with this is that that plays into this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Okay, because Mahia gets gets slut-shamed. I don't think she... I don't think her and Chris ever found a way to, to actually do the deed. I'm assuming that she's pretty unaware of a lot of things being that there are no men on the island. And she was apparently brought there where she was a girl. That's what queen Pua says. But even so she's hanging out with Chris. She's obviously attracted to him, like for, for like obvious reasons. I mean, it's natural, right? What they weren't doing anything that was unnatural. Um, but then it's decided that she needs to get sacrificed to the God because that'll teach you. That'll teach you for getting involved with a man. Things have not been going well on the island. They have not been finding pearls as they should. Uh, There was the bad weather. So clearly, that must be because they're out of favor. Something is wrong. So they have to sacrifice someone to the god. So they try to sacrifice Mejia to the stone god underwater. That goes back to the scene that we see in the movie poster which is not quite right, and it doesn't work out, obviously. She gets rescued, and she does not get sacrificed. And, um, and that's sort of
1: where things go south, so then it's sort of the tables are turned, right? So Queen Pooh is trying to sacrifice Mahia, and now, now the guy, first of all, the two knuckleheads want to get off the island. They're under a time constraint, by the way. They know that the whatever nefarious or incredibly organized law enforcement's going to immediately arrest them. So they need to get off the island anyway and it turns into now Lee wanted to go sooner and Chris has an excuse now. So now he's like everybody's crazy I can't I can't put my at risk here. We've got to get on the boat. We've got to leave. I got to take her with me. So now they both have a motivation to leave. Now of course Lee gets greedy and and finds the pearls and then, as I said, goes back. And they've got Queen Pua, who is sort of trying to sound the alarm and all this stuff. And so, essentially, all of this crap goes down and ends and culminates on them being on a boat uh, as they try to, quote, escape at least two of the men and Mahia saying, I'll go with you, Chris, wherever you go. I will follow you. (laughs) So, so that that, and that's where it all goes south.
0: Yeah, because... There are sharks, sharks, shark infested
1: waters, Um, shark, a shark.
0: (laughs) There's at least one shark there. So, of course, Lee has to be punished for his misdeeds. So the narrative of the movie punishes him. He ends up, I think, dropping the pearls overboard.
1: He so first of all, which I have to appreciate, he has this bag of pearls. And he beats Chris over the head with it at least <laughs> twice, which I loved. I was like, you know what? Because first of all, they don't have pockets. As you pointed out, they're practically wearing Speedos. So there's nowhere to store the pearl. So either it's in a hand or it's in the boat. So he definitely basically use, keeps it in his hand. And when they get into a scuffle, which they do because they get into this argument about what to do and where to go, uh, I don't think Chris wants to hurt his brother. But they're definitely in sort of this knockdown, down drag-out fight that involves... Pearl punching, for a better word.
0: Pearl punching. Well, it's like a bag of nickels, right? Right. Well,
1: (laughs) that's my. my, I haven't been hit with a bag of pearls. I hope to one day, but it's definitely, i assume it's heavy. I mean,
0: I don't really, like, I don't know if I have pearls, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, we've got two kids, probably, you know, dozens of fucking marbles in this house. That's right. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, if it's anything like marbles, it hurt. It certainly knocks Chris out at one point. And then Lee gets in the boat, and near as I can tell, falls out of the boat. Like not like jostling the boat, not rough water in the boat. It looks like he just sort of jumps off the boat. Maybe the pearls were spilled somewhere in there. Uh a shark eats him in the end.
0: <laughs> a shark eats them. I think he's going after the pearls. Yeah. But and, I, I, and then the
1: shark I, eats He just them. like slides I mean, it didn't look like he dove after them. He just sort of falls out of the boat. And then the shark comes Well
0: he had to die. You know, so yeah, oh, he, he deserved had, to
1: die. I he mean, had but.
0: to get into the water somehow, and yeah. Oh, well, you know, pour one out for uh, great specimen. He des- no,
1: I'm drinking this. He's not getting any oh, of uh... my alcohol.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, safe to say there was a lot going on in this movie. I'm not sure that we. Uh... I don't know. Sucked. We try. We, tried... <laughs> we tried to give it a fair shake. I think was difficult because of the actual look of the movie it was not wonderful acting
1: part of this is there's just, there's just the pacing so there's a scene where they do an entire hula scene there's just literally like it just seems like they just filmed something that was going on, on the island and it doesn't have some of the narrative and yeah. there's, there's just a couple of beats where you're like I, what are we doing here guys So know um you know the conflict that they mentioned which you see in the beginning which is gun running so the brother is gun running and then they end up murdering a guard there's a whole shipwreck drowning scene that's literally a sentence where they the brother is pointing at a map and goes yeah that went south and we got to get to ratua whatever the other island they're trying to get to move along so there's definitely (laughs) a lot of shortcuts that were taken to your point i think if it focused more on what the this what they were trying to do because I think there's there's a kernel of interesting story here, but the battle between the brothers, the greed, oh, totally, Certainly, totally, totally get it.
0: I mean, and there's 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 lots of I mean, you know, I'm thinking like Wonder Woman, right? You know, like there's lots of things that have to do with you know a society of exclusively. Females, and then what happens when you introduce a man, and how you know how that destabilizes things? Um, sometimes, in some ways, so like that's not you know that's not unusual, and it's not that it can't be made into a good story. It obviously has been many times, although we can talk about the idea of that um, women are immediately going to like lose their wigs when a man you know comes a around. Man, I know. <laughs>
1: But I mean, the other thing too is, it, unfortunately, I think the movie was originally called Shark Reef, which you know, even that's a lot to say that. But somebody insisted on calling it She Gods, right? It would, so, it would
0: Shark Reef. I wouldn't have had a problem if it was called right.
1: Shark Reef. So the She Gods sets things up to imply certainly a level of feminine empowerment that just really, I mean, Queen Po is sort of tries, but they're sort of constantly at the mercy of these two muscle. No, heads, no so.
0: nothing. They have no agency of their own. They are at the whims of whomever is working for or owns this unseen, unnamed company, which is presumably men. And then also, a god is male appearing. In any case, it is yeah. it is not like they refer to a goddess or a, a feminine uh, entity in any kind of way. So, and then the two men, Chris and Lee, come along, and then they're dictating what happens so they have zero agency of their own they try to make their own decisions they try to turn the narrative arc of the story and are unable to in in any way because it is all just being driven by the men
1: and at this point i think we've now spent more focus and interest on the story than the movie
0: did Than they probably did when they were writing it and when they were filming it that's right is high the wind is strong
1: we'll leave evil behind us
0: okay so then let's get to our ratings spoiler
1: alert It's not going to be
0: good. (laughs) I know. I I haven't really thought about what my rating is going to be. So this is going to be real time. It's going to be in real time here. All right. So we're going to give it knives. We're going to give it glasses of wine. And we're going to give it screams from zero to five. All right. So how many knives? So this is what is the body count? How scary was the movie? Was it gory? Did it live up to its title from zero to five knives? How many would you give it, Mike?
1: Well, to answer all your questions, no, 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 God, no, and no. Yeah. So no. So that's it. I didn't know we could go to zero. I was actually going to give it a one. So that means if we can do a zero, then zero. Are you going to do a zero? Yeah. Uh, really? Well, look, there is there is a, there. He, first of all, there's domestic abuse, right? So that there, there's that. And there is somebody being murdered. How um, many
0: people does he kill on the...
1: Just the one that we see doesn't mean there couldn't be I more. I just thought
0: there was two, but it was very Maybe, unclear. Well, the
1: other guy dies, I think, on the way, right during the map scene where this we points at the map that you said there was right. There's Patriot.
0: another person that that, but I think that was misadventure. It wasn't a murder, but
1: still, right. And we don't see it anyway. We so, don't see it. Yeah, so I mean, I guess you could argue it's it's in the one knife category because there are some deaths. Uh, the shark scene is. Pathetic, but it does happen. And you know what? Frankly, we should count the shark as a death. The shark did not deserve to die. Just walking along, doing his thing, trying to eat a dumbass (laughs) who's (laughs) trying to steal pearls and falls into the water. So you know, I don't even want to count the shark's death. I think the shark death is a tragedy here, and for that, I give it one knife.
0: I would, I would agree. I um, am usually not cool with animal death or with animals being depicted as having human uh, motivations such as wanting to kill people which is not if they're killing a person it is just because they're hungry or they're threatened like that is why so uh, yeah I, I, I think I have to agree with you I have to give it a one there was not a lot here in terms of, of horror I, I'm not even really sure like this might be better couched as maybe a drama Maybe even a thriller, but yeah. I mean, there really wasn't a mystery. So uh, it's definitely not a horror movie, and, and not not too much romance either. I mean, they were, you know, like I don't know, dating. Do you want to call it dating? I don't know what you
1: would call it. No, they were. No, hanging, I do not want to call it dating. <laughs>
0: they were hanging. They were hanging out. They were getting to know one another. I don't know, which did seem like very sweet. Like if they had leaned into that a little bit, you know, somebody uh, who doesn't understand you know, what male-female relationships might look like and sort of learning about it. I don't know. But they didn't really do anything with that. They just kind of like ran along the beach.
1: That's a different film.
0: That's, yeah. Anyway, that would have been a better film. All right. So glasses of wine, zero to five glasses of wine. Was it fun to watch? (laughs) Did it have any unique moments? And how much did we enjoy it? All right, so now I have
1: to confess to this because I feel like I'm going to say something and then I'm going to try and defend myself. I fell asleep during this film for a little bit. I actually blacked out. Um, and, but I have watched the film separately to see the scene that I missed. Um, and it turns out it was during one of the slow moments when nothing happened. So that's not surprising. Um, but yeah, look, this is, this was rough. Uh, take your pick. The cinematography, the transfer, which wasn't particularly great. Um, the, Absolutely dragging plot, the broken English that is affected. Right, it sort of just seems awful anyway to make people talk that way. The two morons and their arguments. The whole thing was just not great. So that's a that's a one glass. Or you know, you need a lot of glasses, one or the other. But it
0: wasn't... <laughs> so you're giving a one one glass yeah. of wine.
1: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. I think I'm gonna. Hey, yeah, this is one of these ones that we we don't defer too much on cuz I can't really find too much within <laughs> like it's this movie. Hard to
1: argue. <laughs> that's
0: redeeming. So many of the movies that we watch even if there are aspects of it that are challenging or difficult or not great, I can usually look at it and say, "Well, people worked hard on it. There was some artistry involved." Sometimes, you know, it can be the amount of scenes, it can be the camera work, it can be the locations, it can be the music, you know, there's something about it that is redeeming. There's not a lot here. There's not a lot here, except (laughs) like, you know, some glorious broad chests. So I'm going to give it a half a glass wine more, simply for that reason. So for the beefcake, I'm going to give it One and a
1: half glasses of wine. Fair. I, I, uh, fair. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right.
0: So now we're going to move on to how many screams. So this would be, how did we overall feel about this movie? Did we enjoy ourselves watching it? And we think about screams in terms of horror movies. We've already decided this isn't really a horror movie. So what would you say, Mike? How many screams are you going to give this movie?
1: You know, we went into this series knowing we were going to test our limits of what <laughs> we were willing to watch and how we'd react. I and mean, I
0: could put up with just about, it. like, I've given birth to two children. Like, I could put up with anything <laughs> for, like, an hour. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's okay. I'm not, it, like, I don't feel like I'm suffering,
1: you know? No, but I want to p- point out that I wasn't sure what a one-knife, one-glass, one-scream movie is. And we found our bottom. Yeah. Now, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to talk about this for the rest of... I'm sorry for everybody, but for the remaining 42 movies, I'm going to (laughs) be like, is it a She-Gods-of-Shark-Reef cut situation? (laughs) But I do feel like that has given us a bar that we now understand. And, you know, is it worse than that? Is it better than that? Um, So this is the bottom. This is a one scream.
0: It's a one scream. Oh, like I said, I didn't really think about this. I don't... Like, I don't know. It, um... I watched it a couple of times. Um, (laughs) Sorry to hear that. Well, I mean, I was still, like, kind of unclear on what happened. It wasn't really – and not in a good way, okay? Like, there's movies that I've watched multiple times because each time you watch it, you get something out of it. I mean, you know, how many times have I watched The Fifth Element? And I'm not kidding you, every time I watch that movie – I get something new out of it. How many times have I watched like Interstellar, The Matrix, Alien? Like every time I feel like I get something new out of it. And this movie was like, I kind of had to remind myself, Oh, I'm watching a movie. (laughs) 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 Because like, I was like, like my thoughts were wandering, you know, like I was thinking about like my to do list and whatever. So I had to bring myself back to it. And maybe that's why I'm a little confused. So, I mean, I don't know. Is it my fault? Is it the movie's fault? Whose fault is it? I really don't know. But um, I'm going to give it, I I don't know. I'm not ready to give something one scream. So I think I'm going to give it one, one and a half screams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's where we landed with the ratings. (laughs) Such as they are. Okay, let's talk about the character that Mike created based on this movie that is going to be available for people to use in their tabletop role-playing games. All right. I don't know who this character is. I think I can guess, though. But, Mike, tell me, who is the character that is associated with the she-gods of Shark Reef?
1: Yeah, and so I was pretty frustrated by this film, as you may have interpreted from my... <laughs> ongoing and probably will continue to go uh, commentary through the rest of the podcast series but um so i wanted to address some of that so uh queen pua was my chance to do that and really sort of live up to the promise of the she gods right which is i wanted her to be sort of this shark goddess um that they work wor- worship this shark goddess um and that there's sort of this cult that is ferocious and involves shark teeth and weapons and in control of sharks and and uh, otherwise engaged with them so she she's a badass she is a uh a warlock essentially sort of a, a chief cultist um who uses her she's sort of the this backstory we have is that it started out kind of that she ended up having this to essentially placate this deity because the, the pearls and the good weather cycle was making them very rich but eventually that it, you know we sort of end up with a little bit of moana sort of situation where things start to turn south and you have to figure out what's the reason well the reason is the god is unhappy, and so she starts sacrificing all the men on the island to get there. So I thought that was just sort of a fun twist of sort of how she ended up, like, to explain why the island was the way it was. And um, she's, she's tough, uh, partially because she has sharks at her disposal, uh, and partially because she... We there's a they call it the purification ritual in the movie, which is you throw someone to the sharks. But what we essentially do in the in the game mechanics is that actually turns you into sort of a deep one esque sort of shark person who then is looks like a a regular pearl diver, but actually has the ability to breathe underwater and is is certainly dangerous with sharp teeth. So I wanted to make it all the things that I was hoping to see even a shred in this film I put into the character.
0: Okay. So what are her stats like? What, where is she proficient?
1: So warlocks have to have high charisma actually, um, to cast their spells. Um, but she's also very wise and, uh, you know, she's pretty quick. So she's definitely a character that, um, she's a mid tier, but, uh, because of the Island and the the other pearl divers who protect her and, and they don't know all this stuff, right? That's one of the points that sort of is definitely attention in the movie is you're not exactly sure everybody understands what, they're involved in, in terms of what they have to do until things go south. Right. Cause in theory, the men's arrival trigger a lot of issues. So same here. Um, she's a, she's sort of a mid tier character, but she has control of the Island too. So, um, shipwrecking is possible just because of the nature of the Island. Um, sharks are certainly sh- big sharks, giant sharks, megalodons or whatever you want to use show up all because of the deity's influence. So she's sort of tied to this character of this deity who's behind the scenes, um, that really uh, creates a, a, I think a a, a good mid tier foe,
0: and, well, obviously near water. But yeah. what are some of the places that this character might be used? What are some of the scenarios in 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 a tabletop role playing game where this character might show up to cause some havoc?
1: Yeah, it's interesting when you have coastal characters because sometimes you're like, well, do they have to be underwater specifically? Um, you know, I gave her actually – she has like a bite attack. She can summon spiritual sharks. So the idea being like they don't have to be underwater. Like a lot of this stuff has a water theme, but it can sort of be on the land because theoretically she's on an island. She's not underwater. Um, so – but yeah, it's certainly an island, right? The the idea being that it's confined. Um, this is a certainly a concept in a lot of dramas and horrors where – that people get shipwrecked. And that's a very convenient narrative because it sort of prevents a lot of, it's sort of like like you mentioned, dropping your cell phone down a well. It It's a narrative device that it restricts and contains the environment. Um, so she works well there, right? So this is a character that sort of doesn't, you're not going to put her in a desert, um, but conversely, the idea of sort of a forbidden island that uh, adventurers sort of show up on, these two are the perfect adventurers. They really are. They're just murder hobos that show up and want to steal the pearls. That's what this story is for, and she's perfect a perfect foe for that.
0: All right. And where can people find this character so that they can incorporate her into their tabletop role-playing games?
1: So she'll be available in two different ways. Obviously on patreon.com slash T-A-L-I-E-N. We will offer that for free. So you'll have the sneak preview, and you get all the information. Uh, you can download it and use it as is. Um, so her character statistics will be on there. But we also are compiling all of these in in a, a collection called 5e Foes, Gothic Villains. And this is a companion piece to 5e RPG, Gothic Adventures, which we published for 5e. And the idea being that all this comes together so that you can use both sets of, of uh, uh, books to sort of set uh, create a horror setting, which this is, you know, more horrifying than the movie.
0: Right, right. Well, I I think that wraps it up for the She-Gods of Shark Reef and Episode 8 of 50 Date Night Screams. I think we're probably both a little glad to see the back end of this one because I really did not know how we were going to approach it and what this was going to look like. So, I don't know. Anything else to add?
1: I, uh, I forgive you, Roger. (laughs) because you made little shop of horrors i don't know if we're allowed to put music in at the end of this because i don't think that's uh public domain
0: oh little shop of horrors yeah no we don't like i don't need to get sued i mean we could sing it (laughs) but maybe you probably can't even sing it i don't know if that's allowed like you and i could just sit down sometime and just like you know start singing some show tunes
1: yeah, like maybe we could change it from plant food. The guy sort looks like shark food to me. The guy looks like shark food to me. I think that would work. But uh, I hope he had a good vacation. I think that was what Roger was doing. He yeah. was having a nice vacation. I think it was lovely. I hope he enjoyed himself. Uh, I look forward. This is not the last of Roger Corman that we will see. And I can't wait to see the rest. But um, I think he can do better. So we'll talk to him again soon, I'm sure.
0: Right. Well, we didn't see any booms in this movie. So that was one thing. Like technically, I think he had some he had some things handled. We have seen some booms in some of the other films. I thought like... you were going to say
1: boobs for a second. Like what film were oh, we watching? Boobs.
0: <laughs> um, there was a lot of man boob.
1: There was definitely beefcake in this film.
0: Yeah, for like, sure. Like more
1: to your point, you know. As, yeah. Uh, I just I didn't actually pick up on it as much as it was. But you're right. There actually. Was quite <laughs> That's okay. That's. What I'm for. All
0: right, as always, thank you, Mike, for joining me for episode eight of Fifty Date Night Screams. Hopefully, things will get a little bit better from
1: here. Thanks, Amber. I promise I'll, I'll be I'll be nicer next time.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Fifty Date Night Screams. Be sure to check the show notes to learn where you can watch this movie for free. The quality isn't always the best when streaming, so we've also included a link to where you can purchase it. You can also get much more information, including the characters from this and all the Fifty Date Night Screams episodes, at patreoncom talion Until next time, don't stop screaming. Fifty Date Night Screams is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by Amber and Mike Tresca.